Hello and welcome back to Delighted Motherhood, a podcast devoted to delighting ourselves in the Lord and enjoying our kids to the glory of God. I'm your host, Kira Nelson. Summer is coming, and for some of us, this is going to mean air travel. Whether we're traveling internationally or we're just traveling to go see grandpa and grandma who happen to live on the other side of the country, many of us are going to be traveling this summer. Traveling with kids, I think, is one of these topics that can be a little bit anxiety-inducing. A lot of people have had bad experiences traveling with kids, whether it's your bad experience or someone's bad experience that they've shared with you. The idea of traveling with people under the age of five can be enough to make our skin crawl. But it doesn't necessarily always turn out this way. And there are some strategies that we can employ for success. Because let's face it, it's kind of a bummer to decide that because we have kids, we can't ever go anywhere. And in fact, I think from my experience, traveling with kids can actually be pretty fun and pretty delightful. Today, we're gonna be talking with Caroline Craddock, Caroline is an amazing resource. She's a homeschool hybrid mom to four kids who are all little, and she has traveled to 27 countries since having kids. And she's been on more flights than she can number, probably 500 with her kids. And she just has so many tips and ideas about how to enjoy traveling with little kids and not dread it, and how to make this time of being on an airplane something that your family can look back on fondly rather than a memory that you just have to scratch off and never think about again. So if you intend to travel soon, or if you've really wanted to travel, but the idea of traveling has been pretty intimidating to you, I think you'll be encouraged and helped and inspired by this conversation with Caroline Craddock. She's truly a gem. So just as a a quick note here, we're not saying that traveling with kids is easy or always just so much fun because I think both of us have had experiences where we have sobbed on flights. Rather, what we're going to be talking about are just tips and ideas for how to do it if we want to do it in a way that is graceful and joyful. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, ladies. Welcome back to Delighted Motherhood. I'm here today with my very good friend, Caroline Craddock. So Caroline and I have been friends since I think we were both about 12 12 or 13 years old. We were both homeschooled. I grew up in Washington State. She grew up in Colorado, but we did this speech and debate league, and so we would see each other at tournaments. So I've known Caroline since she was very young, and even from the time that she was very young, she was uh, in love with her now husband, where who she has four kids with. So she has an eight-year-old Winston who's super into bugs and birds and observing all things nature. A lovely little um, little lady Ella who's learning how to read. She's six. She has a two-year-old June and then a seven-month-old Thomas. Uh, She is a proud wife and a homeschool mom. And before she had kids, she had visited two countries. And now, Caroline, how many countries have you visited? 28 altogether. So 26, I think, with the kids, at least since I've had kids, yeah. With the kids. So that's that's pretty amazing because um, I think there is kind of this idea that you need to travel before you have kids if you want to see the world, whereas you kind of did the opposite. Yeah, I think I was – I 
I, like you mentioned, I met my husband very young um, and we got married very young. So I hadn't done a lot of traveling before I had kids. And um, when we got married, we wanted to start our family right away. So the only option for us really, if we wanted to travel was to do it with kids. And we've loved it. We've loved seeing the world through their eyes and visiting um, different countries with them. It's been a huge blessing for us. Yeah. And kids are just a lot of fun. So Carolyn and I, as I mentioned, we knew each other in high school. And then um, her husband and my husband went to the same law school up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where Caroline also pursued a master's degree. So we got to be in a Bible study together there. And I got to know her sweet little son, Winston. And I remember thinking, wow, she has a baby and it's, it's actually kind of lovely. Uh, and it was really encouraging for me. It gave me a lovely vi- vision of just having children and pursuing the Lord, seeking the Lord first and seeing the children as a blessing from Him. And yes, as a as a hard thing that causes blowouts and tantrums and all the hard parts of kids, but also just as just as a lot of fun. So we knew each other in uh, during law school. And then Caroline and I also traveled internationally. We both worked for um, just, we did a lot of Uh, international freelance. So I got to see Caroline in action with her kids. I remember traveling with Caroline to Budapest for a conference once, and I was pregnant with my firstborn, Daniel. And she had her now six-year-old, Ella, with her, uh, who was just probably six months at that time. I think so. Yeah, right about that. I remember it was just so fun. We had this little little girl with us that we got to go around and see beautiful cathedrals and get yeah. completely drenched in the rain and try to figure out public transit. And it was not all fabulous. I was morning sick and feeling terrible. Um, you know, we were like the, lugging a stroller up ninety flights of stairs. It was, it yeah, was not crazy. not all glamorous, but um, I'm really thankful for that. I'm really thankful for that memory. So today we're just going to be talking about really practical things related to traveling with kids. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about air travel. Um, Because honestly, air travel is something that makes me cringe. Like the idea of canceled flights and layovers and a 15-month-old ripping apart an airplane are very anxiety-inducing things. So we're going to be talking about that. Summer is coming up. And for many of us, this is going to mean air travel. So this might be that we're traveling, you know, to see the world. Maybe we're going to go to Budapest and uh, see the sights. But for a lot of people in this global economy, just getting to go see grandma and grandpa involves a trip on an airplane. And it, it can be really, really hard. So we're going to be talking about some strategies that we can employ for success and some ways to travel with our kids and enjoy it rather than dread it. And then when we do dread it, how we can seek the Lord in those moments. So just as a note, this episode is going to be geared towards parents with small children who are likely to travel soon. But I would encourage you to listen to this episode, even if you're not a parent of a small child headed for an airplane, because you almost certainly will know somebody who is going to be traveling with small children, and you can know how to encourage them and how to pray for them in their, their travel this summer, um, because flights, flights require a lot of prayer. So with all of that, Caroline, um, let's kind of get into this. So first, let's just talk about why you ha- enjoy travel. And how travel has grown your love for the Lord. So in all of your adventures that you have with your kids, how has it grown a love, grown your love and your awe of your Heavenly Father? 
Oh my gosh. I don't even know where to begin because there's so much um, that you could dig into here. I think a large part of it is seeing just the wonder of the world that he has created and the different cultures around the world and beautiful sites and landscapes and um, whether that's in the United States and national parks or internationally, there are so many beautiful places in the world that just make me pause and think over the creator um, and the sunsets and the sunrises and how he is in all of it in the mountains, in the grasses, in the buildings and history, um, just seeing his his work woven into all of that and woven into people and um, landscapes all over the world. It is that that word awe, um, I think, comes to mind. Definitely. We we sit in awe of him during our travels. Um, and I also think another aspect of it is just seeing we've we've traveled to a lot of places that aren't Christian countries. We've traveled to Thailand, Vietnam, India, um, places that aren't Christian and that don't have Christian churches. They have temples. They are worshiping other gods. And we've been able to discuss with our children um, how they're, how they're, it's just, they're a different feeling there. I feel like there's, um, almost an emptiness in those temples. You see them worshiping these idols and that makes idol worship very real for us and for our kids. Um, and just to see that driven home brings even more to light the blessing that we have having a father who is personal to us, who loves us, who doesn't require us to go to the temple and worship at the feet of an idol and make these sacrifices and, you know, whatever it may be in these other religions. Um, but having that personal father who is in relationship with us, um, becomes even more significant. I think traveling cross-culturally and seeing how other people live and how other religions operate. That makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Can you give an example of a country that you were in and then a question that came up with one of your children or something that the Lord just revealed to you while you were traveling? Yeah, I can't think of a question because the, um, I think the, the trip that I have in mind, my kids weren't really at super question asking age, but when we were in Thailand and Vietnam, we visited a lot of um, Buddhist temples because they're just all over and they are beautiful, like they're cultural heritage sites. Um, but you enter these places and there are all these temple or, or all these, um, not temples, but idols and icons and um, just different things. And I just got, I get such an uncomfortable feeling um, in my spirit being in those places. And I want to visit them because it's you know, like I said, it is a cultural site and there's history there and that's interesting. But at the same time, it just feels, it, it feels empty. I think that's the best word for it. It feels empty. And I think our kids can sense that. Um, and we have had some discussions with them about other religions and idol worship, especially with our eight-year-old now as he's grown more. Um, but we haven't visited um, a country that's a, a majority um other religion, I guess, other than Christian or Catholic, since he has become more aware of that. So we haven't had to deal with those questions as much yet. Mm -hmm. Although we're going to Mexico City this summer, and we're going to be looking at Aztec temples and talking about human sacrifice. So <laughs> it'll come up, I'm sure. Absolutely. There's something I think uh, on the other side that is so powerful about seeing Christians in another place, in a completely different place, worshiping the Lord and, and how they express themselves and do that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so totally. I totally agree. I think there's so much to be gained from having just a love for the world. And clearly, we don't have to travel internationally to have a love for the world. Uh, in the United States, we're blessed with so many people that live here from so many places. And so, you know, if you're someone that doesn't have the ability to travel internationally, you can obviously cultivate a love for the world through going to the library and getting books about yeah. countries from all over the world. That's such an easy way to integrate that into our lives or um, just picking on Sunday when you're coming home from church, you know, a different ethnic food that you're going to eat. So there are lots yeah. of ways, but yeah. And I to be in awe of like, I mean, the United States has such a variety of beautiful places and we love just taking road trips to Shenandoah to mm-hmm. now we live closer to some of the national parks in the Rocky Mountain National Park and in Utah, they have Moab and Arches National Park. And we've been out to California. No matter where you are in the United States, there are beautiful places that you can visit and just sit in awe of what God has created for us to enjoy. Absolutely. I love that. I love that so much, Caroline. Um, So today, though, we are talking about air travel because you are the queen of air travel. And we're just looking for all of your practical advice and helps help on how to do this well, and then when it doesn't go well, what to do about it. Um, So first, I'd love to know, what are some of your top tips for preparing yourself and your kids well for air travel? Yeah, we have um, a couple of different books that we read to the kids, and these are really basic board books. I think one of them is literally called Planes, and one of them is called Goodnight airplanes or good night planes. I mean, I can, I can send the links if you want, but they're very basic, just books that will get them excited about airplanes because kids love airplanes. I have not met a kid who does not love airplanes. Um, so if you get them excited about that aspect of it, they're already going into it with a positive attitude and that kind of adrenaline of traveling on an airplane will hopefully help them overcome any out of the ordinary circumstances that might come throughout the day because they're just so excited to be there, to be participating in this airline travel experience, um, which we think of as miserable, but our kids can think of as a joyful, fun experience because they just love being in the airplane and being in the, um, even the airport. Um, My kids love everything about it. Um, Honestly, I sometimes think the journey there and back is almost better for the trip for them, better than the trip, the destination. Um, so yeah, we do, we do read the board books often, especially leading up to a trip. We'll be like, let's read the Goodnight airplanes book. And my daughter June right now is the perfect age for that at two years old. She loves Goodnight planes and asks for it every night. And we talk about where we're going to go next. And, um, so yeah, reading, reading books. And then I think my other tip is just to, um, think through in advance what you're going to be packing both in your carry-ons and in your, um, checked items. If you are checking a bag, um, and try to think carefully about what you're going to pack to pack as lightly as possible, but also bring anything that might be necessary for the trip. Um, Because if you're panic packing the night before, which I have done, definitely have been there, um, you're probably going to be a little bit more stressed out on the day of versus if you've prepared a little bit more in advance and have everything set, you know what's in what bag and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I love that. Another thing I'll, I'll add that I just know that's true about you, Caroline, is that you do pack super light. So like if you're yes. going to a country that has diapers, that they produce diapers in that country, you're not going to bring diapers with you. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll bring enough bring... to get through the flight and maybe a day, um, but not more than that. Like I'm not going to bring a full, you know, 100 pack of diapers that I'll need for the week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So 
Describe what you do to prepare in advance for a flight. Yeah, I um, usually will make a packing list. Sometimes that's just in my head. Sometimes it's down on paper. When I'm more prepared, it's on paper. Um, then I'll think about, think through how many outfits I'm going to need. Um, where if we're going to have a washer and dryer, maybe I'll just pack three or four outfits and we'll be able to wash outfits while we're there. If we're not, I think through how many days there are and then pack one or two extra outfits. Um, and then I lay out the outfits on the floor before I even put anything in the bags um, to make sure I have, you know, six outfits, say if we're going for a five day trip um, and then we're we're not going to have an opportunity to wash clothes. I'll pack six outfits for the big kids and 10 outfits for the baby because he has a blowout diaper every day. Um, so just thinking through in advance, counting out how many outfits you think you're going to need. I also usually pack like a, a travel pack of Tide um, with me in case I don't count correctly or we have something happens that's out of the ordinary. We can always do laundry in the sink. And people have been doing that for many years. It's worked fine. It will be okay. So just bring a little travel pack of Tide with you just in case you count wrong. But try to count out how many outfits you're going to need, the bare minimum. Bring that with you. Um, and then we pack it all up. I usually try to have that done the night before. Um, packing the carry-on with with little ones especially is really important to make sure you have enough diapers to get through the day, wipes, changes of clothes. A lot of people will say bring changes of clothes for you too if you have an infant. I've never done that, but I could see how it might be useful if you get blown up on. Me, I just wipe it off and carry on with my day. You know, a little poop, never hurt nobody. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about the practical preparations I make. Um, also trying to think through, I need to bring the ergo, write down everything. That's what I would say because there have been so many times where I've thought in my brain 20 times, bring the ergo, bring the ergo, bring the ergo. But if I haven't written it down on a note on my phone, I always check, there's like a packing note on my phone that I can check off things. And if it's not written down there, it's not coming with us half the time because I will just forget about it. So write things down, have a list, like an ongoing list on your phone maybe of things that you need to remember to pack. Because um, some things you can't pack until the morning of. Say you're using the pack and play and then you need to pack it the morning of. So just have a list so you can make sure everything's with you before you actually walk out the door. And bring... One more thing. This is very random, but um, bring at least a picture of your birth certificate if you're traveling with a lap infant because they're very rarely, but there have been occasions where we have been asked for the birth certificate for a lap infant and you just don't want to be caught unprepared for that. So at least have a picture of your birth certificate with you. Okay. So what about when you're on the flight? So you're on the flight and you just did a flight to Australia, which is about a 14 hour flight, right? I think it's 15 one way, 16 back. Okay. So LA. that's long. It's very long. So, and you have little kids, you have little kids. So how do you keep your kids entertained and contained on a flight like that? Yeah. I think the one word that comes to mind when I think of my philosophy about air travel is grace, having grace with myself as a mother and flexibility. I think grace and flexibility will go a long way when you're traveling on an airplane. Usually, I'm the mom who tries to keep screen time to a minimum. We don't do any screen time during the week. But on the plane, my kids will watch 10 hours of Paw Patrol in a row. Like, you just got to do what you got to do to survive and to keep them quiet and contained because it is a really hard situation for a kid to be in. Um, so typically, if it is an overnight flight, we'll try to get the kids to eat the meal that's served. There's typically, on an international flight, a meal served about an hour into the flight. 
And then after the meal is served, we'll tell them that's time for their airplane nap. And this is another thing we talk up really big before our trips is airplane naps. So we tell them it's time for your airplane nap. We get them you know, their blanket on, um, if you want to put their PJs on, if they're more comfortable in pajamas, usually we just have our kids in sweatpants and sweatshirt on a plane. Um, so we don't have to change them. Um, but we get their blankets out, put them in pillows and tell them it's time for the nap. The flight attendants will usually turn off the lights at that time after the meal, which is a good, another signal that it's time to sleep. And then they'll go to sleep for a couple hours. And then when they wake up, it could be five hours, could be eight hours later, whenever that is, we put on the iPad for the older kids. Um, I think the hardest age to travel and entertain kids is the age of six months, roughly nine months, whenever they start becoming more active and aware up until about two and a half when they will pay attention to a screen for a long time. So that's the pocket that our daughter June was in. She was... um, just over two years old when we went on our trip to Australia. So she didn't really have a long attention span for screens. Um, My older two who were six and eight were fine sitting and watching a movie on their seat back TV for a long time, but she would watch 10 minutes and then be done with it. So we had brought a bunch of toys with us for her. We brought um, some of those water wow toys, um, some Play-Doh. We brought just a couple like Duplo Legos that she could play with. We went to the dollar store and picked out random, you know, Hot Wheels and things that she might enjoy opening up for the first time on the plane. So we had a bag. She packs a little backpack with her full of toys for her as well. So she would watch a little bit of TV and then go play with her toys and then go back to TV and then go play with her toys. Um, and that's kind of how we passed the time with her. Um, breaking that up with another nap if it is a long flight, like a 15-hour flight. Um, If it's just a two- or three-hour flight and it's during nap time, maybe they'll sleep the whole time or maybe they'll play with toys the whole time. Um, It really has just depended on the flight. But like I said, I think grace and flexibility, just being willing to maybe bend some of those typical stricter rules or ideas you have about what a typical day should look like for your kids because um, you are – more or less in survival mode. I think trying to get through flights sometimes and just keep them quiet and contained and content on a long flight. I really appreciate what you said about grace too. I think that applies not only to screen time, but also uh, especially for, for yourself. And I think that really carries over into so many things. So I've been on flights with my children when they have blown out. And when they had vomited and when they've done all the things. So done all I, of them in one flight. <laughs> all of them, all the things. So my parents live in, in Seattle and I live in Virginia. And my mm-hmm. husband's parents live in California and I live in Virginia. And so we do a five, six hour flight, like a lot. Yeah. Um, we've done it, done it a lot. And I think what's been helpful for me, because I don't like, I don't enjoy those flights very much. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. But I think what's been really helpful for me is having a lot of grace in preparing for it mentally and spiritually, like thinking about it that way. And then even when I'm on the flight, you know, how can I be rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of my, my child, child vomiting, or, um, you know, how can I be content in this circumstance when people are screaming? Cause I think, I think a lot of it for the mom is having grace for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then is even just remembering this is part of my calling. Like today, you know, not everyone has the ability to travel internationally, but today I am traveling internationally. So this is what I am doing today. And so in the midst of somebody vomiting on me or throwing all of all of the entire thing of apple juice on their, their pants and everywhere else, how, how can I have grace 
Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Carolyn, can you just talk a little bit about that, how you prepare mentally and spiritually to prepare for travel? And then when you're in the moment, kind of some strategies, maybe some prayers that you will say or, or, or use to help yourself remember the greater things? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in, in preparation, just trying to remember um, what a blessing and opportunity it is to have these little people who are so excited about the opportunity to travel and to be with their parents and to be with their family. And even though in the moment they might get overwhelmed with their circumstances or um, maybe they haven't gotten enough sleep that day, so they're falling apart at the seams and just every little thing is making them cry, um, trying to remember that we are blessed to have these little people that we get to shepherd and guide through these, these circumstances. And even though we might be feeling like we're also falling apart at the seams, um, it's an opportunity for us to pour into them and to just allow them to see that we view them as a blessing and we don't view them as a burden during this trip, even though, you know, sometimes it might feel that way. It might feel like we are barely getting through and it's feeling like a burden and they're crying and we're worrying about what everyone around us is thinking. Um, just, just remembering that um, this is, this is yet another opportunity um, like so many of the opportunities we get throughout the day to day to show our children that we love them. We view them as a blessing and we're, we're trying to experiencing this with them and giving them grace when their attitudes or um, their behavior isn't up to maybe what we would typically expect of them. Um, And another thing, I mean, I like to think that children are, I I grew up riding horses. Um, We had a horse and I did some, some horseback riding lessons and my Instructors would always tell us that horses can sense when you're stressed out or when you're fearful. And I feel like children are the same way. They can tell when we're stressed out and when we're um, just kind of on edge and worrying about what everyone's thinking um, or when we're, you know, feeling a lot of anxiety leading up to travel, which is it's very normal. Um, But I try to present to my children as chill as possible and not show them that I'm feeling stressed out in those instances because I think how we approach it, if we're approaching it in a way that's more chill and relaxed, our children are going to pick up on that energy, for lack of a better word, um, and they're going to give us that back a little bit more. Whereas if we're on edge and we're constantly, you know, like, stop talking and people can hear you and, you know, that sort of thing, they're going to catch up on that and they're going to feel our stress towards travel and they will um, start to be even more stressed out themselves. So not saying that children are the same as horses, but in many ways, I think there's a similarity there. Yeah, definitely. So I think you just kind of touched on something when you were talking about what we think other people think of us on the flights. So how do you think well about grumpy fellow passengers? Yeah. I mean, thankfully I've probably been on I don't even know. I haven't counted 500 plus flights with my kids. I've only had one experience in all of that time where someone has been visually and vocally distressed about my children's presence on the plane. And this person was clearly just having a bad day. I think probably had too much to drink or other influences. And, um, The funny thing is my children were actually really well behaved on that flight, but she was just not happy to be on a flight with kids who were even making normal, happy kid noises. Um, And that did. It stressed me out. It was really difficult for me to hear her huffing and gruffing and talking to the flight attendants about how she had to sit new kids and could she be moved and all of this. Um, But I try to remember that this person 
Um, well, I wish them the best and hope that they will have a wonderful rest of their lives. I will probably never have to see them again for the rest of my life. And if they think poorly of me for traveling with kids, that's their problem. That's not my problem. That's a problem in their heart and how they're viewing the world. And the best thing that I can do is show them the love that I have towards my children. And yes, like trying to keep my children contained and disciplined on the flight to the best of my ability. But if kids are being kids and just making happy kid noises or even crying for a little bit because their ears are bothering them, that's a normal part of the world that people need to operate in. And um, I tend to just kind of brush it off my shoulder and remember that I never have to see those people again in my life. So, you know, they have a problem with me. They have a problem with me, you know, and that's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I agree. So I have done a many, many, many flights with my kids and I've only probably had one experience where somebody was upset. And mm -hmm. it was also a time when my kids were honestly being like angelic and they were being yeah. so good. Um, and it did get under my skin and it really bothered me. Um, and I, I, I won't say that I didn't have any anxiety or stress at the mm -hmm. time because I really did. But I think something that's helpful too is remembering, again, my calling. So the Lord has called me to delight myself in Him. So first and foremost, my priority is before the Lord. So my actions, whether I'm on a flight or I'm just at home dealing with poop at home, because I have a lot of poop um, and vomit, <laughs> you know, in my house as well as on a flight. But my priority is to to honor Him in, in my actions and my words and my deeds. So that that carries over to the flight. So that's my primary. Uh, responsibility is to the Lord. And then my second responsibility is to my family. The Lord has called me to love them and to serve them. And so I need to be a loving parent and teach my children to obey me and to be a blessing to others and to respect others anywhere that they are. But somebody else having an issue with them, kind of like you said, Caroline, I should be compassionate towards those people. I should seek to, you know, not, um, not cause undue stress, but at the end of the day, my primary responsibility is to my kids. Uh, and I will also just say, I've had a number of flights that have, I've, I've felt like I've fallen apart on. It's actually one where I was coming to meet you. We were going to a conference together in Rome and I had one baby with me, Danny, yeah. the oldest. And the flight was so long and I was a first time mom and he was 10 months, 11 months old. And it was it was a really hard flight, um, but I just loved on that flight how many people wanted to help me and would come over and just say, you're doing a great job. And there was something really sweet about that too. Of yeah. just, we're kind of all in this together. We've all been babies before. We've all been a screaming baby. Um, and when there's a grumpy person, that person is, it exists, but also leaning into all the people that are willing to help you. And I yes. think something for me as an extremely independent person that's been helpful is taking other people's help. Um, so, so many people will offer to help you get your bag down or help you do any number of things. And I think it can be really wise to say, yes, I would love your help pushing my carry on off of the airplane while I'm holding this baby who's being squirmy or whatever. So yeah, people yeah. can be grumpy. Don't focus on them, but do appreciate all the people that are lovely. Yeah. And for then every one person, for every one person I've encountered that's been negative, which is really only, like I said, one person who's been vocally, visibly upset with me traveling with kids. There have been hundreds of people who have been so supportive and kind and just genuinely like said, your kids were great. Great job, mom. Um, and although we tend to ruminate on those people who are negative, just trying to remember those moments of light and how you 
allowing people to help you is a blessing to them. I think that's important to remember too. Like I love when I've traveled very infrequently, but there have been a few times that I've traveled alone without my kids since having kids. And I love when I can help a fellow mom on that flight. Like that's a blessing to me and to them. Um, so just allowing people to help you is not only, it's not only for your sake, people love generally, a lot of people love helping moms and families who are flying with kids. I love that. Well, there's so much we can talk about and we're already going long, but we're just going to ask Caroline a few more questions because we have her and she's such a resource. So, um, Caroline, let's talk about clothes though. Do you have any tips for what kids should wear and what you wear on a flight? Yeah, we wear comfortable clothes. Um, although I will say comfortable, but not grungy because I think if you feel good, no, if you look good, you'll feel better. I don't know that there's a saying there somewhere. Um, but I don't like personally myself wearing like pajamas on a plane, because if I don't look put together, I'm going to feel less put together. So I might wear, um, like sweatpants that are also stylish or, um, comfortable jeans or yoga pants and just something that I feel cute and put together in. I don't want to feel like I look like I'm falling apart. If that makes sense. Um, my kids will typically wear like a sweatsuit, um, something that is something they could wear during the day, but will also transition well to sleeping when in, if they fall asleep on the flight. Um, so we wear something comfortable, but also not, so grungy that we're feeling like we look like disasters, if that makes sense. Maybe that's a horrible thing to say. You could cut that out. I don't know. <laughs> if people yeah, want no, to look, look grungy, they can. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's totally up to personal preference, but I agree with you, Caroline. I like to be comfortable, but I also like to feel like I'm dressed for the, for the occasion. Yeah. For the and I also feel like people will treat you better if you're looking just a little more put together. I don't know. But again, cut that, cut it, cut it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so do you have your kids wear layers? Yeah, well, typically, I mean, it depends on where we're traveling. So often we're going from somewhere like Colorado or Virginia in the winter to somewhere that Vietnam and Thailand, where it's going to be 90 degrees and super hot. So we'll at least have a t-shirt or tank top underneath because when you arrive, you might not be checking right into a hotel or going right to your destination. And you want to be able to shed a little bit of layers. Um, but planes will often be freezing cold. Um, they'll either be burning hot or freezing cold. There's like not a lot of middle ground there. So have some options for, for layers to take on and off. That's great. Yeah, I like to bring socks too. For some reason, I feel like having cozy feet on an airplane is yeah, is just. Really I'm almost nice. always in tennis shoes, so I guess I just have socks on anyway. Oh, there you go. I'm a big fan of Birkenstocks. That's <laughs> sort of my. You my and my mom, shoes. yeah. They're so easy. Slip on, slip off through all those you know security checkpoints. Yes. Okay, so Caroline, many flights are going to have layovers. How do you handle layovers? The best we can. <laughs> Um, it depends on the layover. I mean, we've had some that are stressful because they're really quick and you have to run from one gate to the other and you don't have time to stop and change diapers. You don't have time to get a meal. Um, you're just literally running through the airport. And then you have the flip side of that where you have 10 hours to spend in an airport and you're not have a lounge and you're literally putting your kids to sleep on airport benches. I mean, um, so yeah, I think we just handle them the best we can. We we take things as they come. We always have a stroller with us when we travel. I know that might be not everyone. Some people like to travel with just um, baby carriers, which if that works for you and you've 
you've done well with that, that's great. But if we're going to have a long layover, we'll typically have a stroller. So we'll walk our kids. If we have, you know, a toddler or a baby, um, we'll walk them around in the stroller until they fall asleep, um, in the airport, just to give them a comfortable, a comfortable and familiar place to fall asleep. Um, but we usually will walk around to all of the different stores and window shop and we'll go look at the airplanes for a little while. Um, I think finally airports are opening back up their, their play places. So a lot of airports, if you ask the staff or look at the map, they'll actually have a play place for kids. Um, so if you have a long layover, seek that out, that can be a good place for kids to run around and get some energy out in between flights. Um, but yeah, we just same as same as on the flight, we kind of go into a little bit of survival mode and just getting through those those either 30 minutes or 12 hours in the airport as best we can. And how do you mentally handle things like delight delays and cancellations? Um we haven't had well, I I'm trying to think of an instance where we've had something that's completely life altering. I mean, we've had a lot of delays where um, we'll end up getting, you know, we're supposed to get in at 10 PM. We end up getting in at 2 AM and the kids are exhausted and we're exhausted. Um, I think having done the preparation in advance and having, um, you know, talked up to your kids, the idea about sleeping on the go and taking naps on the airplane, all of that's really helpful just in case you do have a delay. Even if you don't think the flight is going to fall during their nap time and you've planned it out so that they won't have to sleep on the plane. Um, there could be an instance where they end up having to, if your flight is delayed. So just having your kids prepared for the possibility that they might need to sleep on the go, um, I think can be helpful. Um, but I, um, can't think of a specific instance that's been really terrible for us. I don't know. I just forget the bad times, I guess, and remember the good. It's like having a baby, you know, just remember the good parts of it afterwards. Yeah. And I think something that's helpful for me when there's a cancellation or a delay, or even just on the flight is having productive, this is my personality type, but is having productive things for us to do. So bringing a read aloud along with me that we can then pull out. So we have two hours. Okay. Now we're just going to use these two hours and we're going to have this shared experience of doing this read out loud. Those sorts of things that um, help me to kind of redeem the time. Cause one of the things that drives me crazy is I'm like, no, I want to go and be hanging out with grandpa and grandma now. I don't want to be sitting in this airplane or um, sitting on this runway or, or whatever it might be, but having ways to kind of redeem the time with my kids. So we love doing read out louds with extra spare bits of time. Um, sometimes I'll even bring along hymns that we've been working on and we'll be like, okay, we're just going to do some hymns. Um, but trying to find ways to play and enjoy my kids has really helped the time not feel quite so so miserable because yeah. honestly, yeah, that can be so, so frustrating when you're sitting on, when you're like, you know, the plane has landed and you're just sitting on the plane for 45 minutes waiting yeah. for a, I think a it depends to on open up. Where you get stuck too. If you're stuck on the plane, it's going to be a lot of a diff different and more difficult experience than if you're stuck in the airport terminal where you do have a little bit more flexibility for your kids to run around. We have our kids doing laps around the airport, you know, like run to that pole and back 10 times, you know, especially with the older kids who have just pent up energy. But being stuck on the plane can be a lot more difficult and stressful, I think, for parents because then, you know, you've already figured out what to do with your kids for four hours and now you have to entertain them for six hours and what are you going to do with those two extra hours? And it can be really stressful, um, but I think keeping the stress to yourself is really important. So not letting your kids know, maybe not even like 
telling them that it's going to be two extra hours because then they're going to be stressed out about it. But just continuing to go with the flow, the time passes differently in the minds of a kid, I think, than it does in the minds of an adult. So as long as they're being entertained and being fed, pack a lot of snacks because you don't know if you're going to have extra time on the plane. I think that's another big thing. Always have many, 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 many snacks packed away in your bag. Um, because yeah, as long as they're fed and they, you know, hopefully can take naps on the go on the plane as best as they can, or at least rest on your lap or, or whatnot. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be happy during that time. But if they can sense that you're stressed out and you're talking about, you know, how much extra time it is, they're going to pick up on that, that negative sort of feeling towards it. Absolutely. Um, so this, this episode has been focused specifically on air travel, but can you talk a little bit as a homeschool mom about how you incorporate school into your adventures, kind of speaking to homeschool moms, but then also just anybody who has children that need to learn things. Um, do you have any ways for helping to make that happen? Yeah, I will say I do not think I would be good at full-time traveling and homeschooling because our formal schooling does tend to fall a bit to the wayside during our travels. But I think the flip side of that is that we're able to experience really delving into a specific history, culture, or area of interest that the kids have. Um, My son, Winston, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he's really into birds. He loves birds. He wants to be an ornithologist when he grows up. So when we traveled to Australia and New Zealand, we did a unit study on the birds of Australia and New Zealand. He learned I think he literally memorized every single bird that we could possibly encounter in Australia and New Zealand. And while we were there, he kept a list in fancy cursive of all the birds he saw and where he saw them and the time. And that is school. That is learning. Like that is a beautiful thing for a kid to be able to um, see this hobby that they love and just delve into that in real life. And the same thing if you're traveling to Rome and you're learning about history and the Romans, or you're traveling to Mexico and learning about the Aztecs, or you're traveling to Utah, learning about the Native Americans, doing those sort of um, unit studies that you can then incorporate while you're traveling to learn more about those things, to listen to audio books about those things while you're traveling. Those are things we try to do to learn and incorporate learning. We do usually bring one or two of their workbooks with us so they can keep up, you know, say on math while they're on their trip. Um, But we're not going to do a full day of school while we're traveling. And I think that's okay because we don't travel full time. We have that flexibility to kind of catch up later on formal schooling and allow the time of travel to be a time of enjoying learning about these specific units or things that are going to be interesting incorporated with the place that we're visiting. Totally. So we're about at the end of our time, Caroline, but do you have any final encouragements um, that you would give to fellow moms for air travel? I would um, say, don't let the, don't let the negativity surrounding air travel with kids be a damper to delving into that with your family and trying it. And maybe you try it and you find that it's not for you and it causes more stress than it's worth and you would rather just wait a few years and that's fine. But you could also try it and look back on those times um, and realize that even though it was maybe stressful in the moment, those are beautiful memories to look back on. And I think that's kind of what I found over the years. There are moments, there are hours, even entire days that are really stressful and really hard. But when I look back on those times and those trips and we are able to have those memories as a family, those are such a beautiful thing that draws us 
closer together and um, allow us to recognize what a beautiful thing it is to have this family and to have this world that we get to experience um, that our God has created for us. So don't let the negativity surrounding it hold you back from trying it because there can be so much beauty and joy in traveling with your family. And Caroline, will you pray to close our time? I'd love to. God, thank you for, for Kira. Thank you for placing this podcast on our heart as a way to encourage moms in our calling as moms and as wives and delighting in our families. Um, I ask that you'd be with each mom who's maybe thinking about planning a trip this summer or looking forward to travel this summer. Um, would you calm their minds and their spirits um, and allow them to know that your hand will be on each step of the trip, um, that this will be an opportunity for their family, for them to show God's love to their children, um, and that those trips would be a blessing to their family, even in those hard moments and those stressful um, flights, that, that you would just be with, there with the moms, um, showing your hand to them through those times, through people who come into contact with them to encourage them. Um, I just ask that you would be with with everyone who is maybe feeling more anxiety than is, than is expected or due um, in, in traveling, um, we ask that you would soothe those anxieties because truly you are the one who, um, who can do that, who can comfort us, who can allow us to recognize um, the, the beauty that we have, the opportunity that we have to, to travel with our kids. And would you allow us to see these as opportunities um, and not as burdens? As we, as we go through travel this summer and through the future with our kids and with our families. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Caroline. <laughs> Thanks, Kira. All right. And until next time, sisters, may we delight ourselves in the Lord as we delight in the calling that He is giving us.